In mining, there's something known as rock burst. It happens in deep mines and tunnels around the world. Deep drilling causes the rock to shift and buckle. Shards can unexpectedly burst from the tunnel walls, injuring or killing miners. I'm Henry Kronk from eLearning Inside News, and in collaboration with CKT 90.3 FM, this is Code Burst. Code Burst is a story about a violent, unexpected shift in the structure of the global economy. It focuses on a coding boot camp called Mind Minds, but it involves the growing skills gap, the tech industry, the increasing obsolescence of higher education, and one married couple who either tried to make a difference or tried to make a buck. This is a story about trust. Since people have begun to criticize Mind Minds, the main point has been that they promised the moon and failed to deliver. Certainly, that is cause for concern on its own. But that argument has often been compounded by another point. Mind Minds receives state and federal dollars. That changes things. It means that the coding bootcamp isn't just affecting its students. It's taking a toll on taxpayers as well. Last week, I discussed how Mind Minds got started. This week, I'm going to quickly bring the story up to the present and discuss their expansion into West Virginia with the help of some friends. From there, I'm going to spend the rest of the episode on how Mind Minds makes their money and how they keep the lights on. In 2016, Mind Minds began to receive national coverage from the likes of CNN, PBS, and WNYC. People outside of Pennsylvania began to hear about them. One of these people was West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. He invited Mind Minds to a local job fair and, following enthusiasm from learners, asked Mind Minds to set up in the state. As far as I can tell, his office took strides to facilitate this process. CBS reporter Weijia Zhang reports. Manchin helped Mind Minds establish headquarters near West Virginia's capital using money from federal grants. According to Max Garland, who reports for the Charleston Gazette Mail, The Kanawha County Commission funded the development of Mind Minds' Clendenin office, where West Virginia graduates work as apprentices. The commission voted in February to spend up to $40,000 on the office build-out, in addition to $900 a month for rent for two years, the Gazette Mail previously reported. Mind Minds has also been teaching software development classes at the West Virginia National Guard's Mountaineer Challenge Academy. The academy purchased two 120-hour classes from Mind Minds, costing $24,800 each, documents obtained by the Gazette Mail show. In a statement, Major General James A. Hoyer, Adjutant General for the West Virginia National Guard, said that the WVNG's relationship with Mind Minds, quote, has been productive and successful and does not foresee any changes, end quote, in that relationship despite the lawsuit. Mind Minds has also had apprenticeship pay reimbursed through the Charleston-based Human Resource Development Foundation, or the HRDF, a nonprofit workforce government agency of the West Virginia AFL-CIO. The HRDF reimbursed the pay with a portion of the National Dislocated Worker Grant it received from Workforce West Virginia, said the HRDF Deputy Director Amanda Filippelli. The grant was for HRDF's job-driven on-the-job training program, which reimburses employers to hire and train dislocated workers. There were six Mind Minds employees who had a portion of their wages reimbursed through the program, according to Filippelli. She said she didn't know the total reimbursed to Mind Minds, but it could have been up to 90% of those employees' wages. Filippelli said that it seemed like Mind Minds had good intentions, even with recent issues. I'm not exactly sure how many institutions partnered with Mind Minds in West Virginia, but it seems like the number's at over a half dozen at this point. 
They have their own spaces in Clendenin and Beckley, and they've offered their boot camp to learners at the National Guard's Mountaineer Challenge Academy, Chapman Regional High School, Bridge Valley Community College, and elsewhere. It's very possible there is some overlap there. When MindMinds partnered with CCAC in Pennsylvania, for example, students joined their regular class at their Waynesburg location. In other words, MindMinds has seen significantly greater success in West Virginia, at least in terms of number of institutions willing to partner with them. I may as well transition to funding here because I've basically already been talking about it the entire show. While a lot has changed in the coverage of Mind Minds, one talking point has remained pretty much consistent the entire time. The co-founders Amanda Locker and Jonathan Graham offer their program for free. They haven't received any federal grants, but they have partnered with organizations who have benefited from taxpayer dollars. Or, in the words of Amanda Locker, This was 100% funded by us. Um, it, you know, it was something that we did in our spare time to start out with, but then when we realized how big the problem actually is, we both quit our jobs to do this, and we it's all our time and our money. When I began this reporting, I had no idea what that meant. Like, did organizations allow them to use their space? Did they divert some volunteer hours towards their cause? Did they help them advertise? Did they hire them as consultants? Did they pay them directly? If we trust the reporting from the Charleston Post-Gazette, then several of those possibilities are confirmed as true. As they report, Mind Minds received access to a space from a local commission. The National Guard paid them to educate two learners, and that, by the way, was at a cost much higher than most coding boot camps. And another job development agency supplemented their interns' pay by as much as 90%. Based on the details of the Post-Gazette's report, they seem more trustworthy than some. They claim they have documents backing up their figures. But I'm still going to reserve my trust to their story. For this next segment, I'm going to rely purely on what I have overturned myself. The most notorious grant attributed to Mind Minds so far has come from the Appalachian Regional Commission. The ARC is a federal body, and they allocate federal funding to achieve a number of goals in the Appalachian region. In June of 2017, they announced their new round of what are known as power grants. According to an ARC statement, A $1,490,000 grant is awarded to Washington Green County Job Training Agency Incorporated in Washington, Pennsylvania for the Appalachian Region Code Initiative. The R Code initiative will teach high demand skills in software engineering and development to displace workers from the coal sector in southwest Pennsylvania and West Virginia. It harnesses and combines the software training expertise of Mind Minds, a proven software development training organization, and Central App, an international software solutions developer. The two will work together to provide courses and certifications needed to qualify for high-demand technology jobs, enabling participants to work locally for companies that can be located anywhere in the world. MindMinds will provide a supply of certified tech talent that program partners and others will be able to hire locally or contract for short-term labor-intensive projects. Central App trainees who obtain certifications will have access to Central App Talent Exchange and will obtain work from its customer base of thousands of active Salesforce customers 
systems integrators, and consultancies. The project will train and place 71 workers in computer tech jobs at seven or more companies. From the beginning, MindMind says they haven't received any federal grants. Amanda Locker has reiterated this again and again. Early on in my reporting, I managed to get Locker and Graham on the phone. Um, one thing that I'm kind of unclear on is um, you guys say you funded this all with your own money. Um, didn't you guys get a pretty substantial amount of federal grants? Um, I've, I've heard at least of the Appalachian Regional Commission giving you guys $750,000 last summer. It's such a surprise to hear people say that. We never received a penny from anybody. Um, Appalachian Regional Commission gave a grant to um, Washington and Green uh, Workforce Development, and we're a subcontractor to them where they provide us an hourly rate to do the training. Are you beginning to see why these guys drive me crazy? In one sentence, they say they haven't received any money from anything. And then the next, they turn around and say that they're getting paid money from a federal grant that was provided to a local workforce development board. And if that's where you thought the confusion ended, you'd be wrong. At one point, you guys were charging money for the boot camp, but um, most people received the costs of attending uh, just completely subsidized through that organization. Is that also just uh, a misunderstanding? We've never charged anybody money. Yeah, I, I, I understand you weren't charging people money, but um, a Pittsburgh publication reported that the cost of attending was subsidized by uh, what's called CareerLink through that organization. No, I, I think you'd have to contact them, but we have, we do do subcontract work for them, um, but that's under an hourly contract. It's, we've never had a charge for anybody in Pennsylvania. So with, with CareerLink, they, they pay the community college who then contracted us as trainers. Ah, uh, that might be what they were talking about. Yeah, so I see. None of that. That money never went to us again. Um, Jonathan was a W-2 employee for local community college that may have received that money. Since I began reporting this story, I have been trying to track down that ARC grant pretty much the entire time. The only problem is no one wanted to talk to me about it. The ARC itself could only say that they provided it to the Washington Green County Workforce Development Board. I got in touch with several people there, and I was directed to seek out their president, Amy Gatz. It took me a few weeks of leaving messages before I got her on the phone. I'll play that interview in just a second. Meanwhile, after my only conversation with Locker and Graham on the phone, I thought we were on decent terms with one another. But when I started discussing their operations with their employees and clients, they changed their minds. In passing, I asked everyone I could if they knew anything about the ARC grant, just in case. And on February 7th, I received an email written by either Amanda or Jonathan. They write, We would prefer that you don't bother our employees and contractors with questions you can easily ask ARC about. A 30-second phone call will easily destroy any notion that we received a pile of money from the federal government. If only that were true. Unfortunately, to faithfully report even a very inconsequential piece of information, it takes much more than a 30-second phone call. 
The back and forth between me and mind minds got ugly. When I made my scrutiny clear, they lashed out defensively and wrote insults. And then after trying to get in touch for weeks, Amy Gatz gave me a call. Um, so Mind Minds, set the co-founders, Amanda Locker and Jonathan Graham, they say they haven't benefited from any federal funds or grants. Um, and I'm trying to understand how that grant was used. Um, well, I can't speak to what she answered. What we know is that they have invoiced us for about $160,000 towards the grant. Uh, I also know, though, that they have come up with about 180000 of in-kind match um, against the grant, too. So I, again, can't speak to what she was saying, but they have invoiced us for this grant, which their invoice, uh, their total contract was 702000 but they've only invoiced for 160000 We contracted with all three agencies that we were just talking about. I think there's 12 counties that they're allowed to, to function within. Um, they use a pod structure for training, and they have groups of between five and ten students per location. Okay. Is that kind of what you were asking? Yeah, yeah, totally. And so um, pretty much how it works is you guys um, connect potential learners with them. Uh, they train them, and then they're reimbursed for as, what, a placeholder for, like, what a course like this would cost otherwise? It's kind of hard to explain. They sent in a proposal of supporting this kind of a training. So basically they listed the cost in their, when they put it in their proposal. So we'd have to, I mean, I'd have to go back, pull their proposal to see what it is per student, but yes. So if they have a student coming in and they're going to train them for 12 weeks, they put in a cost that equals what it would be for that 12 weeks. When that person goes through the class, is in the training class and finishes, then they can bill us for that. Are, are you familiar with any of the reports that have come out or the class action lawsuit filed in West Virginia that claims that... Uh, like they aren't really doing what they're what they're saying. Um, well, we have seen some articles come out, but I don't have any information about. I don't. I wouldn't know about that. You know what I mean? I don't know any details about it. Um, nobody has come to us to ask for information, so that's about. I mean, I know probably as much as you do. When Locker said they had subcontracted with the Washington Green County Job Training Agency, I thought they were performing consulting work for them. So yes, Locker and Graham have spent a good deal of their own money on Mind Minds, but they also received funds from federal grants. Graham became a W-2 employee of the Community College of Allegheny County. State and local governments in West Virginia helped them set up shop. It turns out that the funding of Mind Minds is so piecemeal that even the co-founders can't always keep it straight. Still, that doesn't explain why Locker is so keen to hammer home the fact that they have completely self-funded from the beginning. Another thing that Locker told me again and again is that this could easily be cleared up. All of the grants and funding provided to Mind Minds are matters of public record. Anyone could look up their 990 tax forms. 
Any 501c nonprofit in the U.S. has to disclose their funding in these forms. The only problem is that their latest 990 was from 2016, the year in which MindMinds was only just getting started. There wasn't much to learn from it. They reported gross receipts of just over $10,000 with assets of around $4,000. But then Locker and Graham sent me their 990 for 2017 just last week. It lists the following. When it comes to revenue, they received $383,000 in program services. They do not itemize this in their return, and the document doesn't show where that money came from exactly. But it seems that it's come from grants and other contract work that they've done with people like the West Virginia National Guard and other groups. Their total gross revenue was $390,000. That's all the money they took in in 2017 from their nonprofit coding boot camp. Of that, none went to current officers, directors, trustees, and key employees. Locker and Graham didn't take any cut of their income. At this point, I think I can debunk two things. First, MindMinds definitely receives taxpayer dollars. None of it was a check mailed from Washington, D.C., but it did come from the people of at least West Virginia, probably Pennsylvania, and definitely, in part, from federal taxes paid by Americans throughout the U.S. Second, and more importantly, according to the 990, Locker and Graham aren't getting any of that cash. They're not cutting themselves a paycheck, at least from their nonprofit operations. When it comes to expenses, Locker and Graham spent $368,000, which is just over $20,000 shy of their gross revenue. In other words, they spent almost as much as they made. Of this, $164,000 went to employee salaries. I imagine these employees would be others teaching the coding boot camp, but again, this section isn't itemized. Besides other small items, like employee benefits and payroll taxes, the rest of their expenses went to paying their apprentices for their for-profit consultancy. At first, I thought this was cause for concern. Sure, they could use their profits from selling their boot camp, but it seemed questionable to use money from a federal or state grant, which was intended for education, to pay their workers on the for-profit end. But I spoke with Amy Gatz about this, and she said that mind-mind structure is not uncommon. Their learners need workplace experience after all, and the ARC is happy to foot the bill, especially if it means that successful learners will go on to start their own companies and bring business to the region. So, regarding MindMind's financials, here's the bottom line. They're operating within the confines of the law and within the terms stipulated by the government bodies that have aided their program. But despite this, Locker and Graham generated a toxic public persona by simply misrepresenting themselves. Their own statements compounded the negative experiences of at least a few students and led readers to believe that something suspect was going on. The case of Mind Mind should serve as a cautionary tale. In today's media climate, actions don't necessarily speak louder than words. Amanda and Jonathan clearly have expertise in the tech industry but they are total noobs when it comes to PR. And as their story illustrates, a PR failure can have serious implications. One of the reasons West Virginia lawyers cited for taking on the case was that they read the negative reports from elsewhere. From the beginning, I've asked the co-founders to provide their own version of their story. 
At first they were interested, but after our relationship deteriorated, they changed their minds. Again and again, they either refused to sit for an interview or simply ignored my emails. Other reporters have also spoken about how, when they questioned my minds in any way, they simply ran into a wall with the co-founders. They stopped talking and skipped out on scheduled interviews. When people bury their heads in the sand, it looks suspicious. It looks like they have something to hide. I didn't have much trouble getting in touch with some other people involved with the story. West Virginia is, I mean, as you probably noticed, it's an underserved community. That's Adam Taylor. He's based out of Beckley, West Virginia, and he's representing Ty Cook, Tory Frame, and what's probably soon to be others in the class action lawsuit against Mind Minds. I apologize for the quality of this audio. I recorded it outside of the studio. You know, I don't want to get into the politics of it, uh, but it, it's been underserved for a very long time to the benefit of the rest of the, the country. Uh, you know, you, you get a lot of programs, especially around here, that purport to have uh, altruistic purposes. Uh, you know, they, they come in that they want to help, they do this, they do that, and some of them do. Uh, some of them do mean well, and some of them don't. Uh, and it especially stings uh, in a case like Mind Minds, where uh, on a personal level, these folks are, you know, it's something I... I on paper looks very good. Uh, you know, it's, it's something you read and you think, yeah, this is this is spinning things in a positive direction. This is probably the direction in which we need to go. Uh, and then you start hearing reports, you know, such as KDKA in Pittsburgh or what we are getting into now down here where it appears not to be so altruistic. So I can't speak to you know, a pattern of programs like this nationwide, but it is something that isn't terribly uncommon down here, unfortunately. You have been listening to Code Burst. This episode was produced as a collaboration between CKUT 90.3 FM and eLearning Inside News. Check out eLearningInside.com for a story accompanying this episode, which includes transcripts of the interviews and links to the resources I used to compile the information. I would like to say thanks to Evan Dent and Tamara Filiovich for helping me put this episode together. Earlier you heard Alex Johnson, Julia Isler, and Katrina Gibbs reading. All of the music you heard throughout is from Daniel Monkman, who is currently playing under the name Bloom. His LP containing these tracks is forthcoming. Tune in next week, and I'm going to spend the entire episode on the lawsuit. My name is Henry Kronk. Thanks for listening.